Hello and welcome to the In Publishing Podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Marie Davis, Managing Director of Immediate Media's Homes and Lifestyle Division, which includes their successful craft portfolio. Marie spent eight years in subs marketing earlier in her career and she tells us what she learned from that experience. But the insight I gained um, and continue to learn is that you know great content, a customer-centric approach underpins the, the success of our business. She also tells us why the craft sector has seen such growth during the pandemic. You know, our research has revealed that you know, 97% of the respondents have said that they used craft to improve their mental health, which is way above, you know, the next one is music, 56% and exercise of 46%. So I think craft has given people over the pandemic a state of calm. It's given them somewhere to create some mindfulness space for themselves to switch off from, you know, the news feeds around us. And where she sees the main opportunity for publishers in the consumer media sector. I think it's understanding, interpreting and then using data. We are so data rich right now. We have so much information about our our customers at all different levels. I think we need to um, understand how to use that better, interpret it in a way that can deliver better value for our readers, our, our users through experiences, through product offerings and being smart with what data we actually need to use and gather amongst many other things. But first, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Advantage CS, a leading global provider of subscription and membership management software. Capabilities include marketing, sales, payments, and customer relationship software for publishers, membership associations, and information providers. For more information, Go to AdvantageCS.com. Marie Davis is the Managing Director of Immediate Media's Homes and Lifestyle Division and is responsible for their craft portfolio of titles, which has seen a large increase in subscriptions since the start of the pandemic, particularly among 25 to 35-year-olds. Immediate's crafts brands include titles such as Love Crochet, The Knitter and Molly Makes. Marie Davis, welcome to the In Publishing Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Now, I believe you started your publishing career at Future and you're now Managing Director of the Homes and Lifestyle Division, as I just said, down at, well, down in Bristol, in Bristol for Immediate Media. Can you give us an overview of your publishing journey so far and the key moments along the way? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I did. I joined Future in around 2001. Um, I was responsible for, I think it was about 20 plus computer and tech magazines. Uh, I can certainly say I learned my craft there. Um, it was where I really fell in love with customer behavior and how marketing and clever communications in line with great content um, could really impact sort of delivery and growth. And you could do something really special with that. Um, I then carried on and I sort of joined BBC magazines in Bristol when the BBC moved some of their brands out of London down to um, what was Origin Publishing back then, about 2004 maybe, um, where I was responsible for devising and developing robust acquisition and retention strategies. And over the period of time that I was within our subscriptions team, our files grew year on year and we have you know, very profitable and um, robust subscriptions within our, within all of our brands within Bristol. Um, I guess for me, I've always had sort of a bit of a desire to understand more, to find more information. I understand more about the products, 
why customers buy them, why do people engage with so many of our brands um, within specialist interest publishing. And that's sort of how I how I moved into uh, a more publishing role after I took my PPA publishing diploma. And I sort of landed my first job as an assistant publisher within Immediate Media, um, working on Homes and Antiques magazine, Gardens Illustrated, of which I'm still working on both of those brands now and uh, care very passionately about, about all of the brands that we have in our Bristol business. Now, you spent eight years as, as head of subscriptions at Immediate Media. How did that experience equip you for your current role? I mean, subscriptions and reoccurring revenues is absolutely key to our success. And it's the the bedrock of our business. Um, So it's not just, you know, the eight years of head of subs. It's been my entire career is sort of a library of knowledge, I guess, that I draw upon every day. Um, Our business is really fast paced. It's changing. It's sometimes really challenging. um, And the landscape that, that we operate in is forever looking different. But the insight I gained um, and continue to learn is that you know great content, a customer-centric approach underpins the the success of our business. And I guess my you know my time as as head of head of subscriptions really gave me the insight of of the operations and what make, motivates and makes our customers engage with us. So in terms of a, a training for you know a role such as yours at the moment, would you say the subscriptions and marketing route is a particularly positive one as opposed to, for instance, people who come through editorial or, or the commercial side? Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, in, in our current world where subscriptions are king, you know, we, we are seeing um, immense growth across many of our brands and it's a it's a great place to engage. You're you're a central touch point with you know editorial. You need to understand the product values and the position. You need to understand what where those readers are at. What else are they looking at? Where are they engaging? And then how can you engage with them? You have to talk to your advertisers. You have to talk to your your ad colleagues. And so it's a it's a central role that actually opens up a whole new experience and um, gives you opportunities to touch base with so many of your colleagues across the the publishing community so you know for me I think it's a it's a great place to start um, and develop as a a developer career um, such as mine. So uh, since you left that that role although it sounds like subs continues to play a huge part in your in your day-to-day job at the moment how is the subscriptions role if you like the subscriptions department and what they do and how they do it how has that changed since you were involved on it in it on a day-to-day basis oh it's changed significantly I mean my my colleagues and the teams that we have are forever having to be innovative there's you know so much more in terms of PPC activity there's a whole load more social activity that they are doing through through social campaigns um they have loads more insight to what the, to what I had um you know sometimes it was a bit of, of gut instinct and, and let's just go with this and see you know what comes back we had more traditional um marketing channels that we still use today but we're more reliant on on a wider mix of um marketing channels than than when I was doing it so um it's changed and it will continue to change um I'm sure but they do a fantastic job of keeping up to date with new innovations new techniques um, and applying that within our business now the craft portfolio is what we're mainly focusing on today so can you just give us an overview of what what your craft portfolio consists of 
Absolutely. Um, crafts multifaceted. Faceted. There are lots of different crafts out there, traditional crafts, new and emerging crafts. And so our portfolio consists of nine regular print brands, more traditional print brands, which include uh, brands like the World of Cross Stitching, which is in its 24th year. 24th year. Um, so a huge legacy brand and has huge amounts of loyalty to our newest launch, which is Love Embroidery, which actually launched just before the pandemic in March 2020. So um nerve-wracking time but uh we launched it at the right time was that good or bad timing as it turned out as it turned out it was great timing we've got record (laughs) level subscriptions for a new launch so it was actually absolutely good timing but obviously you know those first few weeks we were sort of holding on to our seats a bit um i like putting out a new launch at that time and then more recently as well we've launched gathered.how which is our multi-craft website that launched uh december 2019 so again sort of on the cusp of of the pandemic um and a really interesting opportunity for us. So what's the thinking behind Gathered.how? Because that, that's obviously an online-only property, and it seems to pull in your your print titles into that website. What, what's the strategy behind that? Gathered.how is very much the go-to website for the 112 million global craft audience. It's, it's an integral part of the immediate craft portfolio, bringing together the new to the experienced crafter, where they get to sample content, they get to buy from our partners, they can enjoy events. It's a, an approach where we can bring together sort of more holistically our print brands into the digital space. Um, and obviously there's you know a new emerging, as you said at the beginning, younger audience, the millennials um, that are out there that have taken up craft during the pandemic. And so we offer the most comprehensive user experience within the market so, so Gathered.how was a fairly recent launch. Before that, did each of the print brands have their own website? Yes, they did. They were a mixture of you know full-functioning websites to microsites. So we took the strategic decision to um, merge all of those websites into one super brand, Gathered.how, so that it gave um, customers the chance, or audiences the chance to find um find one place, a one-stop shop, I suppose, for for their crafting needs rather than having to go to a, a different discipline. And we know that lots of our crafters are multi-crafters. They span, you know, they might not just be interested in cross-stitching, they will also enjoy embroidery or they'll be into um, sewing. So this is an opportunity where we can truly join up this space uh, for users and create a great experience for them. And if you were to describe your publishing strategy for your, you know, the, the, the brands you've already mentioned, what broadly speaking is the strategy behind it, behind them? It's always about growing engagement through growing our communities. Like I've said before, reoccurring revenues are tremendously important to us. So subscriptions investment is essential um, to our strategy. Pre-pandemic, we had a, a more sizable revenue mix with export and licensing as well. That was a sizable part of our business. Lockdown has made that more challenging, but we hope as the world reopens, we're expecting to see some green shoots returning, um, which will enable us to get our products back out there globally. Um, we want to be able to reach more audiences through all of our platforms and, and be you know, platform agnostic, really. We know that there's new, emerging, younger audiences within this space. And so our publishing strategy is very much how do we engage and bring those people into our into our community. Uh, and what are the key strands of, of that? Is that primarily through social or through newsletters or, or, or what? Uh, social newsletters, and we're about to use uh, move to a weekly newsletter strategy. Video content is, is key. Um, obviously, we're all seeing 
more and more video content in every touch point through social, through um, websites. It's everywhere. Um, so video, how to's, how can we bring to life our content in a more accessible way uh, for as many people as we can? So, um, you know, we know that we've got a, a core loyal print readership, but they also span into our digital spaces as well they are engaging through our various social media channels whether that's facebook or instagram um and then you know they they're enjoying seeing our our youtube channel which we're we're putting a lot of effort into for gathered um which is including our video content now you mentioned newsletter strategy changing to you know to a weekly um output so what's the thinking behind that and what are the kind of key changes there we don't just want to collect data from customers to sign up to a newsletter. We want to be able to give them value. What is it that we're giving people in return for their data? And it's it's not that we just want people's data for a newsletter sign up. We want to be able to deliver them something every week that is meaningful, that gives them value, has um, content that they can link back through to the gathered website, explore more, give them inspiration and tips. Um, and also, how do we you know, make those newsletters commercially viable as well. So if we are front and of, of people's mind because we're able to be in touch with them, we can create personal journeys for for our users. We're going to increase our engagement. And by increasing our engagement, that will drive many of the other uh, commercial opportunities um, across, our, across our platforms. Uh, and will those newsletters actually generate revenue on their own? Or is it all about directing, you know, your your audience to to other places you know for instance to buy a magazine or to go and see a video or or, or the like they'll be multifunctional um and the content strategy around them will be you know how do we how do we give value to our customers if that value is there they will engage with us more if that engagement is there they are likely to purchase a product for us whether that's a an affiliate um, product because we've inspired somebody to create a project and then we can give them the means to go and buy the 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 crafting materials that they may need obviously you know affiliates are are an important part for many publishers including ourselves Um, and you know we know that by driving engagement and visitors to the gathered site we can increase our subscriptions to our print brands to our digital brands so it's it's not just a one one step um, approach. It's how do we how do we create more engagement, and by doing that, we will increase our revenues um, elsewhere. Uh, and what looking at your crafting portfolio and how it's evolved and developed over the last few years, what what have been the key moments uh, um, of development? It's always when we spot an emerging market or where there's a gap um, that we know we can fulfill for both the reader and and an industry. Um, We've had so many great examples over the years where we've been able to do that. For example, Love Patchwork and Quilting back in 2013. That feels like a long time ago. But we really identified that it was a mature market, but we came at it with a different twist. We put a modern, fresh approach into the UK market, which we hadn't been done before with a cover gift and a, and a fresher looking, younger uh, proposition. And we quickly became number one in that space. And then from that, we were able to offer spin-off brands like Today's Quilter, which were catered for a more traditional, experienced uh, end of that crafting sector. So it's always about, um, you know, our key moments are always when we 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 innovate, we spot new opportunities, we work with our industry, we work with our advertising clients, and we know that there's a need 
um, that we can fulfil for readers. Obviously, launching Gathered back in December 2019 was a pivotal moment. We we took that decision to merge many of our craft craft brands uh, into one. Um, and it was a really interesting time and continues to be an interesting time. We saw great growth um, through 2020. And it's, you know, we need to be able to build on that and and deepen that relationship with all of our visitors um, over the coming years. Now, it's a competitive market, you know, the crafting market. Um, I'm just wondering, how, how do you go about differentiating your titles from, you know, from other titles in, in the sector? Well, we visually, um, our magazines are, I think, pretty contemporary in parts. They they really um, they really sing to our audiences. We do a lot of market research into what our readers would want, what our advertisers would want, and so we are, we deliver what we believe and and what our research tells us are the very best quality craft content we have experts in their field we um we innovate all of the time we show through licensed products um that we have the 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 best content um and it is it is a competitive space and that's what makes it really interesting you know without competitors it means that we we're not always on maybe our a game so with competitors there it's a great space for us to to operate um and you know we we are couldn't continually looking at insight and research to to guide us and to inform our our content strategies um and our production we're looking at how we become more sustainable what we can offer that's different to our competitors through our gift choices through our packages um more value for our readers okay and you we, you touched on um revenue streams earlier uh, could we just go into a bit more a bit more detail on that. What are your principal revenue streams? Obviously, they might have been affected slightly by COVID, but you know, what, what are they, and where do you see the most opportunity for growth? You know, going forward, our principal revenue streams are subscriptions. As I've said before, it you know, our subscriptions base is really, really strong. We've seen uh, big increases over the last twelve months, in particular. We've seen our file size grow um, by forty five percent in the last twelve months, and we've seen. Um, acquisitions fly around 75%. Um, so new people coming in and trying our magazines, which is great. So subscriptions are our sort of number one. We have strong advertising sales, newsstand export, you know, that entire mix, very traditional publishing mix. Um, you pull those levers and, um, but subscriptions is our main, main revenue. Um, Emerging revenues for us are absolutely through affiliates and partnerships where we can create products and allow our customers to be able to buy those products as seamlessly as possible um, is an emerging revenue opportunity for us. So I think that's an exciting it's an exciting place for us to be because we've got a really solid base in terms of our reoccurring revenues. And now we're looking at how we can expand that and grow our customers' worth, I think. Um, they're not just a customer with just one subscription. They're a customer that can engage with us through events, virtual, going to live events, as well as we are, we can be the place they can come to to also facilitate them buying um, their craft needs. Uh, and in achieving your goals, um, what, what are the kind of challenges you face? Oh, as sad as it makes me feel, when you, UK Newsstand <laughs> is always a challenge, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone um, in saying that. Um, but we have great partners, and our listings remain really strong. Um, 
So, you know, in many of our brands, we're market leaders in this space. So it's a challenge, but, it you know, we, we never give up. Um, we see it as an opportunity. We're always striving to make the most from that opportunity. Um, sustainability is a challenge, but also a huge opportunity and one that I'm really proud that we're making great strides forward by you know, actively changing our packaging to paper wrapping wherever we can. Um, sourcing more sustainable gifts, um, using more sustainable products. And we know that by you know, making these changes, it really helps the retailers. It helps you know, the environment. That's an essential part of why we're doing this. And we can make positive changes. So a challenge because we're having to rethink our our production processes. We're having to rethink about how we buy our gifts, at what time leads, how we create packages that consumers really want in a more sustainable environmentally friendly way now it sounds like you've had huge subs growth over the last year the figures you mentioned were, were fantastic is is that to what extent is that down to covid and will the the end of the pandemic make it harder to sell subs uh I mean, I think the pandemic is absolutely, you know, I don't think any of us can deny the fact that the pandemic has enabled us as a business particularly to grow our subscriptions. Um, but, you know, that that doesn't come on its own. That comes from also having brilliant products, brilliant content, great marketing and and the people and the talent behind that. Um and so we have seen, you know, we have seen great success across our business. And, you know, as I said before, we've seen 45% increase just on our, our craft business alone. Um, we are seeing it slow, slow down a little in the last, you know, few weeks, month, but it's, 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 it's a slight slowdown. Um, you know, the, the world, our, our audiences are much more used to uh, subscriptions models it's everywhere we go isn't it it's through netflix or amazon prime or whatever it might be so i think subscriptions as a concept is less alien um than it ever has been so i don't see subscriptions as as absolutely slowing down to a point that you know we may have been in 2018 or 2019 i see it as an absolute um growth uh, growth strategy and strand for for us in particular and how would you say the crafting market um, has evolved? Obviously, COVID has kind of maybe accelerated things. I mean, how have your, you know, how have your consumers changed or their behaviour or their expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, I think crafts played a significant part um, in supporting people with their mental health. We've we've recently conducted uh, some market research called Craft Intelligence, which we worked with Kantar on and we know that nine out of ten crafters have said that crafting has helped them relieve their stress we've seen emerging markets with this millennials as you referred to earlier the 25 to 34 year olds um eight out of ten of those have said they've crafted during the pandemic that's about a million increase versus 2019 who've who've collectively spent you know 1.6 billion pounds on craft so this is a huge new emerging market for us and we need to work really really hard as an industry to to keep that to keep that loyalty to keep that engagement um and you know it's i think you know our research has revealed that you know 97% of the respondents have said that they used craft to improve their mental health which is way above you know the next one is music 56% and exercise of 46% so i think craft has given people over the pandemic a state of calm it's given them somewhere to 
create some mindfulness space for themselves to switch off from, you know, the news feeds around us. Um, so I think it's been an integral and really, really important um, lifeline to lots of people. And I'm really proud that the products that we create, the websites that we have has been able to help people in that way. Uh, and what do you think? This is obviously a huge new audience, which has you know, come to your titles. Um, what do you think the key to keeping them over the next few years will be? I think video. Video is going to be key to that uh, for that new millennial group that we, we we saw we've identified through our research. Um, we are seeing increases in our digital additions as a, as an overall business and within craft. We've seen tremendous traffic growth on gathered, um, you know, triple digit growth in certain areas. Um, and we need to become a platform agnostic business so that we can engage with our with our users, our readers, whether it's through the websites, through social media, through our video content, in a way that is appealing uh, and engaging for younger audiences. We need to broaden out our offering. Um, And I think that's going to be a tremendous opportunity. And I'm really excited that we get to have that opportunity within this craft space. And I'm I'm really, um, I think our teams and our businesses is set up to be able to deliver that. The crafting industry obviously focuses very much on traditional skills. Um, to what extent has digitization affected the, the crafting market, both how you deliver and how your audience um, expects to receive content and, and, and the like? Um, I think that digitization is, is a great opportunity for us. Um, I think we are, you know, by, by purely by you know, bringing together the, the best multi-crafting website shows that you know we are taking this space really seriously and so we are able to offer and also react you know not all crafts are going to be you know a print brand or a big digital launch or whatever it you know whatever it might be we can offer in the in gathered a space for maybe some of those smaller emerging crafts that that um people are, are now trying um and, you know, digital editions, as I've said before, is really important. The digitization of content through video, through being able to give people more accessible ways of accessing our content. Um, do we, you know, there's lots of questions. Do we have paywalls? How do we deliver that content, but also make it commercially viable? Um, we know our readers are used to paying for patterns, for paying for materials. So, I think our next challenge and great opportunity will be how do we create that environment that means that we can digitize more of our content, but also make it a, a commercially viable opportunity for us. Uh, and do you see, you mentioned paywalls there. Do you, do you see paywalls as playing a part on gather.how in the future? I think we need to test it. We need to test and learn and we need to understand what value we need to be able to give our um, users to create that that potential. Um, so I, I guess I can't give you an absolute honest answer with with pure cl- clarity right now. Um, but I think it's something that we we will investigate, we will test, we will learn, we will devise a strategy that makes sense based on our knowledge at that time. Uh, and you mentioned digital editions um, just then. When, when people subscribe to your titles, do they tend to lean heavily towards print or digital editions or what, what's the kind of, they, which more popular? Uh, we are more, we are still more print. Um, we have still more print subscribers than we do our digital subscribers, but that's not to say that the digital editions are not growing. They are, they're a big, uh, they're a big growth for us. And um, 
we're definitely experiencing more people coming to our brands through digital editions as well. So um, print is, there are more in terms of volume, but digital editions is definitely, uh, is definitely growing with us. And in terms of your digital editions, are they, um, how would you describe them? Are they uh, an exact replica of the, the print magazine or are the bells and whistles added? Uh, at the moment, they're largely a direct replica as our magazines. But again, that's a that's an opportunity. I think that's an opportunity for many publishers. How do we create more engagement? How do we, you know, from a digital edition, make the switch from you can see this great project, now go and watch the video on it, go and buy the products, um, engage with uh, the authority that is in, in that area. So I think there's a huge opportunity where we can deepen our relationships and deepen our content for our audiences. Now you've mentioned community a few times. How, how do you go about creating brand loyalty and building a sense of community for your titles? I think in a specialist business, a specialist brands, um, readers have a sense of ownership. Um, and it's amazing, you know, what we see in the virtual mailbag, um, but also you know, they still do write into us, which is lovely. Um, they talk about the brand like it's their friend. It is the it's the friend that they 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 know and they trust and they that has its authority. So specialist brands, I think, create their own community and create their own brand loyalty, which is why we have to be really careful when we want to do anything, you know, radical like a relaunch or a redesign, because the audiences in this space love and know their product and it belongs to them. Um, you know creating I think there's opportunities where we need to create more personalized content more personalized journeys for people curated content and reward loyalty we do an amazing job as an industry and and within our business of acquiring people to our brands how do we give that loyalty what do we do back um for for that that support and how do you interact with, I mean, obviously they, they write in, um, they email in, they talk to you. How do you, where where do you interact with them? Is it through social media or, or literally through responding to correspondence? Social media is, yeah, huge for us. And so um, we, resp- we reply as much as we absolutely can through any of our social media posts. We help people if they're asking a question about a particular project that they might find tricky. We try to reply to as many of those messages as we absolutely can. Um, people contact us directly. They, you know, they think the editor and they absolutely are right to think this, that they're their friend. And so we have a lot of incoming through our emails and our editorial teams are brilliant at being able to reply and engage. And we obviously get a lot from that. We get a lot of insight into who our readers are, which only helps inform our future content um, strategies and our, and our decision making. So we we engage with as many of our readers as we possibly can. We go to events we when we're allowed to. Let's hope we can do that again really soon because it's important that we understand who the reader is, what they enjoy, what do they do beyond their craft so that we continue to create the best possible products for them. And what are the most, um, for you, the most successful or the most productive um, social media channels? I think each social media channel has its own benefit. Um, So we, we use as many of those as we possibly can. And depending on brand, uh, will depend on how successful that is in terms of driving engagement or increasing awareness. You know, on some of my home's portfolio, I know that Instagram um, will work 
harder for us in terms of driving engagement than say Facebook will on other brands we have huge Facebook communities where we've set up our own you know um it may be like a country file walking community and so they're quite engaging on there and they generate their own own user content so um it really depends by brand as to where people are engaging with us more but ultimately you know we we would like people to engage with us through our websites to be able to to spend longer with us on our on our sites which then go on to um giving better value with our advertising partners and then through um our up to hopefully they'll go on to subscribe to print magazines or digital magazines so what would you say to other or what advice would you give to other publishers in terms of do's and don'ts of building a successful community I would research where your communities are at. Um, what what are they? Where are they engaging, and how do they engage? What's the tone of voice that they are using? Um, and I would go with that. I think you can't do enough test and learning. So taking every step and asking yourself, you know, what were the deliverables on that? Did we achieve what we set out to, to do, or are you wasting effort? Are you wasting your your energy on a on a, a route to market that doesn't really want to engage in you in that way. Um, so a sort of common sense approach, I think it's, you know, not all social media, not all channels are right for all brands. Um, you know, newsletters might not be right for your brand. So maybe don't put so much effort into that. I know that newsletters for many of our brands are really important. People want to see them. They they expect to see them in their new, in their inbox every week. So that's a strategy that we pursue. So typically, how would you measure the success of, let's say, a, a Facebook strategy or an Instagram strategy? Um, I would measure the success. I mean, it depends on what we're trying to achieve. You know, are we trying to get eyeballs onto the onto the site, in which case you have that as one of your core KPIs? Are we measuring um, success in terms of uplifting subscriptions volumes of which we will set ourselves a you know cost per order? Have we achieved that? So it really depends on what type of... Um, what you're using that channel to deliver um you know we've used all of our we've used social media for newsletter tr- uh, growth we've used it for driving engagement to our virtual events particularly over the pandemic and i mean cost is obviously one area but it's engagement how you know have people shared our content how many likes or um have we received um all of those metrics are key to working out. And you, I don't think you can really look at one particular metric and say that is my measure of success. You need to look at it across the board and work out what did you set out to achieve and have you achieved that? So it sounds like for each of your channels, um, you have a very def- clearly defined set of objectives and KPIs. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and everyone is really clear on, on what they would be. Um, and at any one time, we have multiple campaigns going on um, in all, all areas of the business, whether that's our central brand marketing team or whether that's our subscriptions team or whether it's the digital editorial side that are trying to engage through their, their more editorialized posts. Um, and so everyone knows and is really clear about what makes a good, um, what, what, what's a good, successful uh, campaign in, in any of those forms. So I suppose a, a key do would be probably just that, make sure you have a strategy and a set of objectives, I suppose. Have a strategy, a set of objectives and keep reviewing it um, because, and it and it differs by brand. So you can have some, you know, there's lots of industry benchmarks out there. So you can set yourself, you know, some general, we'd like to achieve 
and here's some industry benchmarks. But once you start doing it and the more you, you do, and the more you learn and the more you test, um, you will find your own criteria for success. So, so what's in the pipeline going forward for the obviously a lot of change over last year, a lot of growth in your subs, um, subs file. What, what's coming next for, for your craft portfolio over the next year or so? It's pretty packed. It's a pretty packed pipeline, um, ever flowing. But affiliates are a key opportunity for us. How can we create that uh, seamless user experience from project to actually buying? Um, that's that's going to be vital. And data. We need to think about um, data. They're not. It's not data. It's customers. What do we do to? to deepen our relationships with our customers. That's a, a, a pivotal moment for us um, and something that we're, we're working really hard. We want to create fans. We want to be able to deepen our communities. Um, and so that's that's quite an important segment in our, next, in our next stage of our journey. Now, you mentioned affiliates there and creating a seamless journey. What, what, what are the, you know, for publishers, including yourself, setting up, you know, affiliate relationships, what, what are the kind of pain points or what are the, the typical challenges which publishers face in setting these things up? I think it's a, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And there, I may not have all of the answers. I'm sure I don't. Um, but, you know, from our experience so far, it's about learning to write in a way that appeals to the audiences that you're serving um so identifying what are people already looking for and how can you fulfill that need um i think working in places where you've got independent retailers that's a bit challenging how do you get those independent retailers if you're a real specialist magazine you may not always want to you know push people to the obvious places um but there will be some independent retailers and how do you create that link so that you can deliver to the reader, the user, uh, the opportunity to go beyond the, the core retailers, I suppose. Um, and it's a different way of thinking. Um, you know, you're, you're approaching content in a different way. And that's a bit of a mind shift um, that we're all adapting to. And some some people are able to do that more than than others. So we're writing commercial content. And I guess that's a different that's a different skill set, maybe it's a different mindset that, that we need to have. And are the terms of obviously there's always a big question of labeling correctly and integrity and all the rest. Absolutely. Are those issue, how do you address those issues? Uh, so integrity is key, um, is key. You know, you, you can't have authority and you can't um, you can't keep delivering uh, you know, reviews to customers if you can't stand behind them and substantiate them. So, you know, we, we are really clear about you know, if we're talking about books or we're talking about um, products, th- this is a recommendation um, that they're not necessarily all being reviewed. So it's a, a sample of whatever industry you're in um, showcasing and being really clear with your labeling that this is what you're, you're working with partners, that this is part of an affiliate scheme so that customers are really aware of of what space they're in within your within your brands. So presumably it's important with affiliate deals to obviously turn some away, I guess, if they don't fit, you know, fit your criteria. Absolutely. And I think every every publisher, every business model will have their own set of criteria and where they want to to um how they want to work and engage with partners. 
Now, now looking at the wider consumer magazine sector, um, where do you see the main opportunities and threats for the, the sector as a whole? You know, not just the crafting yeah. area, but all, all consumer magazines. I think it's understanding, interpreting and then using data. We are so data rich right now. We have so much information about our, our customers at all different levels. I think we need to um, understand how to use that better, interpret it in a way that can deliver better value for our readers, our, our users through experiences, through product offerings and being smart with what data we actually need to use and gather because they it, it can offer us so many opportunities but also do we do we need it all um i guess is where i'm coming from um and in for your me, experience do sorry to interrupt in your experience do do some publishers is there a tendency to, to collect too much data i don't know whether it's too much or whether it's just there's you know you could collect so much so what do for me it's what do we actually need to collect to enable us to to insightfully work out what our products can deliver back for those people. Um, how can we add value for the data that we hold, um, that we're not just collecting data without giving value back? And what does that look like? I think that's a really good opportunity um, for all of our business, you know, for the publishing industry to say, how do we give value back for the data that we hold about our customers? And in terms of threats, what, what what are the threats on the horizon? Um, I think you know it, it's always going to be newsstand pressures. I think newsstand pressures, the advertising mix changing. Um, how do we ensure that you know consumers continue to consume great content but are really willing to pay for it? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, that's always a you know, it's an, a threat that we've had for a really long time. How how do we continue to get our products? through export and the challenges that, that 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 looks like particularly you know as a lockdown as we've been in lockdown for so long um so it's about our delivering of our content i think is our through our more traditional channels is probably our greatest threat right now and are you excited about the future absolutely i love i love i love publishing i love uh content i think um our entire business is a really exciting place to be. Um, and I just, you know, there's always something new to learn. I don't think there's ever a week that goes by where we're not faced with some new opportunity, a new um, innovation somewhere. Somebody else is doing something a bit different to you. Let's have a look at that, see how we can, you know, use their experiences and, and do something, you know, similar or, or, or push it on a bit further. So it's a really exciting space for us. And something I'm really excited, you know, to be part of this industry. It's a great place to be. Uh, and finally, Marie, um, a question we ask all our guests outside of work. Um, how do you relax? I'm not sure I ever do relax, really. <laughs> I have a pretty busy life. Surely. I've got a busy family and um, they're really important to me. But, you know, we try to take every opportunity we can to create memories and adventures and stuff with them. Um, my friends are really grounding. They, they, they're my safe place to be. And I guess I love dancing and reading. So I probably read to relax and dance to get out of the day job. All right. So what, what books have you read? Anything you can recommend over the last 12 months, which has you know, been a particularly good read? 
Oh, I read, um, I read all sorts of books, but I guess, uh, you know, to really switch off, my favourite book at the moment was Where the Cruel Dads Sin. That was a really, really good book. It was quite poetic and beautifully written, in my opinion, um, and took me to a different place. So that was a nice place to escape to. Excellent. And then presumably dancing is something you haven't been able to do a great deal of over the last year. Not a tremendous amount, but it's come back now. So I'm delighted to be back in the studio. Excellent. Marie Davis, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Thank you for having me, James. We would like to thank Advantage CS again for sponsoring this podcast. Advantage CS has been developing subscription management solutions for the information industry since 1979. The comprehensive functionality, adaptability, and scalability of its software helps leading publishers around the world manage their businesses more effectively. Find out more at AdvantageCS.com. Many thanks to Marie for being our guest this time. One of the key takeaways for me was that social media activity needs clear objectives and KPIs. Obvious when you come to think about it, I suppose. If you'd like to find out more about Immediate's craft portfolio, then a good place to start is at their website, gathered.how. We're taking a short break from podcasting over August, but we'll be back with another podcast on the 1st of September. If you'd like to catch up on previous podcasts, then please visit the podcast page on our website in publishing.co.uk. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then our email address is editorial at inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening, and do join me in September for our next podcast. Bye for now.